0: Yoga for the Revolution, a show about self-care in the age of resistance. Okay, okay, so this is the episode where we talk about sex, sort of. I mean, pretty much. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the yama we've all been waiting for, brahmacharya, sometimes translated as moderation or continence, but what we're dancing around here is celibacy. So let's dive in. Let's first take a look at some of the biggest political scandals in our time and see if we can find any common themes. I mean, aside from this administration, because I'm not even going to go there because it's just too much and I will blow my top and then we won't get to talk about the sexy times. Teapot dome. Basically awarding your friends business contracts instead of bidding them out. It seems almost so innocent, doesn't it? Uh, Whiskey ring, people under grant pocketing taxes, Watergate, the big one, a big one, the biggest one, corruption, Uh, Iran-Contra, Jefferson and Sally Hemings, which was either an inappropriate affair or years-long continued assault and rape. Either way, and it's really the second one, no good. Thanks, Jefferson. But didn't a lot of presidents have affairs? Jefferson, if we're counting that as an affair, Harding, uh, yeah, those steamy letters surfaced a few years ago. Did you guys read those? Hachi Machi. Grover Cleveland, FDR. Sad face. I love FDR. Eisenhower, JFK, LBJ, Clinton. (sighs) I also liked him. Looks like we've got corruption, right? Greed, power-hungriness, and sex, which maybe is another kind of greed and power-hungry-ness. What would those people have been able to accomplish had they not been distracted by sex and power? That's an interesting question, and one yoga has something to say about. If any of those people had been following the eight limbs of yoga, they would have come across the yamas, the moral, ethical, societal guidelines for the practicing yogi. So far, we, that's you and I, have talked about satya, truth, truth, Ahimsa, non-violence, and Asteya, non-stealing. And really, those would do the trick to avoiding most of those scandals we just went over, because sex is hardly a scandal unless there's lying and injured parties. But here sex is. Historically and culturally, at least here in the States, why does sex constitute a scandal? Is sex bad? Does yoga say sex is bad? Oh, no. It's complicated, and as far as I can tell, yoga does not say sex is bad. Yoga says there's a time and a place for everything. When you're married and a householder, sex with your partner is appropriate. When you're a student studying God and the truths of the universe, sex is a distraction and a waste of energy. See the difference? And that same practice, or some form of it, holds true for... A lot of Western religions, right? Monks are celibate, nuns marry God, which, you know, is complicated. But the principle there is similar. Yeah, a lot of those religions say straight out that sex is a sin, but as a way of conserving and channeling energy towards enlightenment, pretty interesting technique that most folks in history have kind of agreed on. Brahmacharya can be described as creating moderation in all of our activities as a way of conserving energy in order to apply that energy to a higher spiritual purpose. And in modern day yoga, if it's taught at all, it's taught that way. To conserve, to use the minimal amount of energy needed to achieve a goal. And this is true in postures, in asana, use the right muscles and the right breath and you won't get all panting and tired as quickly. Use your core, not just your arms, in inversions because it's efficient that way. That's brahmacharya too. Yoga in the modern sense is about achieving balance a little bit more than it is about achieving oneness with the universe, mostly. And so brahmacharya in this context is just sensible. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your energy on stuff that isn't clean and efficient getting you towards that goal. And I love that about yoga. It's something rooted in ancient text, but we forget about it a lot in modern yoga. Kicking your leg back and down dog to transition to lunge What is that? That's a waste of energy. Posting your poses on social media, what is that for? That's a waste of energy. The look, the special mat and the clothes, all of the things you need to get into the yoga club, that's a waste of energy. It's not going to get you closer to your goal, depending on what your goal is, right? It's not going to get you closer to a state of oneness with the self, with the universe. All that other stuff is just extra and it's a distraction from what you could be doing on and off the mat. Start by doing the minimal, the least amount needed. For example, many yoga classes are an hour and a half long. Why? When I practice at home, I don't need to practice for that long. I get on the mat groggy at 6 a.m. and my goal is to wake up to stretch to bring movement into the body until I'm ready for the day. And that takes 10, 20 minutes sometimes. Do the minimal. Do you have to have an app to meditate? No, you can do without it. You can just sit, but if you get distracted sitting, then maybe use a focus point like the breath. And if you're still distracted, then you can try a mantra or a chant to repeat. Still swirling? Then try guided meditation. No luck? Walking meditation, moving meditation, asana. You see where I'm going, how that progresses? If you don't need an app, don't use an app. Use the least amount of energy possible. Conserve and moderate your energy use and then get on with it. I have a teacher who says that. Do it, and then get on with it. And it's such an interesting approach to yoga. Let's say you set aside half an hour for yoga in the morning. Spend five minutes putting on your gear, five minutes getting your mat or your altar set up, two minutes posting on social about it. Where is your yoga? Do it, and then get on with your day. Brahmacharya is also about addiction and impulse control. It's about what you think you need in any given moment. We tend to think, culturally, that we need to scratch every itch we have. And the thing is, we don't. How many of you had tried to sit still in meditation? The minute someone puts the idea in your head that you shouldn't move, there's this sneaky little itch somewhere in your skin, and how long is it before you scratch it? It's like saying, don't think of pink elephants, and there they are. I actually have a quick story about brahmacharya. About 10, whoa, 15 years ago, I went to live at Kripalu. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Kripalu is a yoga retreat center and a school in western Massachusetts. It's the largest of its kind, I believe, in North America. And at the time, they had a program based on seva. Seva means selfless service. And there was a program called the Spiritual Lifestyle Program where volunteers could go live. You live on campus and you work. You take part in a very specific yoga curriculum with a specific group. You're all doing it at the same time. You'd work either in housekeeping or maintenance or veggie prep. I worked in the kitchen. I worked a giant dishwasher that was probably the size of my current apartment. Then I sorted silverware and I lifted crates of apples over my head for three months. And we studied. We did yoga several times a day. We practiced meditation and pranayama. We learned about the sutras and we were expected to live by the yamas and niyamas all of the observances and restraints for this period of time and this was a while ago so there were no smartphones and there was only one computer with internet access so we'd take turns signing up for that you can email your friends and family and there were phone booths like with phones in them so we weren't totally cut off but the impulse control thing was different because we didn't have those distractions but of course we all have the human mind and the human mind makes its own distractions. And I will say, after three months up there in the Berkshires doing a ton of yoga and working, like physically working hard, people you would not have looked twice at in the real world or off canvas started to look really beautiful. I mean, come on, you've got a bunch of people in their 20s, pump them full of prana and tell them to be celibate for three months? Okay, why was I telling this story? Oh, because the human mind will create distraction if none is provided for you. I did good, though. That was not my impulse control issue necessarily, but it was an interesting experiment. The day I came home, all my impulse control went out the window. But the same thing happens for us in our daily lives, whether we've taken three months off or not, right? The same thing happens for most of us with food. Here's a plate of cheese and crackers. Are you hungry? I can't hear you because my ears are full of the sound of crunching Triscuits. And then the phone. Obviously, we are seriously the worst. I know some of you were not born with a cell phone in your hands. So maybe you leave it in your purse and you don't think about it for hours at a time. But if you're a millennial or even a Gen Xer on the edge, this is likely your experience. The addiction and impulse control to the phone. I'm working on it. But yeah, that's an that's a impulse control issue, right? What would happen if you don't reach for that distraction? If Warren G. Harding were not writing explicit love letters? I don't know. And I have no idea what I would be capable because I don't ever refrain from not using my phone. So disappointing. And what the Yamas are saying is sex is the same thing. Consider that sex is a distraction and a waste of energy In most circumstances, there were often not having sex in a fulfilling way that the sex we're having is either frivolous or constrained or desperate or placative. Consider what sex would be if those things were not the case. So A, you're not a bottle of wine into the evening or whiskey or whatever it is for you. And B, you know and love the person you're getting it on with with whom you're getting it on, with whom you're on getting... I can't not end that sentence with a preposition. But let's take that for a second. Are we really present when we are having sex? You don't have to answer me because it's a rhetorical question. But are you really in the moment in those moments? If not, it's a waste of energy. You're putting energy out there and not getting the return on it you could be getting. It's like cooking dinner and then throwing it all in the trash. Why would you do that? And depending on what phase of life you're in, you will either be more or less apt to treat sex in different ways, right? As a younger person, sex may have seemed either more important or more frivolous. It just depends on who you are in the world. And perhaps as you age, it becomes less important or more important. Again, the question is contextual, to you and where you are in the moment and can you be really present in those moments and not use sex as a distraction from the rest of life what we're going to do now is a brief meditation on the sound om and this may seem like a bit of a non sequitur but I'm gonna connect the dots for you Everyone has heard, most everyone, I suppose, has heard the sound "Om" or even said "Om" or chanted "Om" in a yoga class. "Om" is said to be the universal sound. It was not invented or passed down. It comes from within and without, and it is the supreme being. It is the vibration of the universe. Meditation on the symbol "Om" or the sound "Om" is said to raise the energy, raise the vibration in the body, bring the energy up from the root to the light, right? So think of that in terms of sexual energies. It's bringing the energy up instead of letting it swirl around by your first and second chakra, causing trouble. You could also do this looking at the symbol, but since this is an audio show, we'll do it with sound. And since there are a million recordings of OM that are beautiful, I'm going to use one of those instead of you having my single OM in your ears. And I'll leave the reference in the show notes on the site. Speaking of the site, we have one of those. Go to yogafortherevolution.org for all the show notes. I'll usually link to whatever little internet wisdom we're discussing. And you can also get all the back episodes there. Or you can do that on iTunes. If you haven't already subscribed, you can do that there or at Google Play, Stitcher, a couple other podcasty type places. And please do rate. Podcast and tell a friend. Tell him yoga talks about sex all the time. A sexy yoga podcast. I don't know. Is that lying? Is this a sexy yoga podcast? Probably not. You can talk to me on Facebook at Facebook.com/slash yoga for the revolution. Or follow on Twitter at Y underscore F underscore T underscore R, where I troll Paul Ryan sometimes. I can't help it. It's an impulse control issue. Okay. Find a comfortable position. Remember to do the least. Do the least amount of movement necessary. Be economical with your energy. Just sit first. If something about your position bothers you, pause. Note if you really need to change it or if you can control the impulse. If you do need to change it, do so efficiently. Throughout this practice, notice your impulses to scratch your nose, to move your feet. Just notice. Notice that impulse. See if you can bring your mind back to the OM and let go of that impulse. Breathe. Just listen to the sound of OM. mind wanders, simply come back to the sound. Start repeating the sound to yourself. Do the least you need to do, but stay engaged. Stay here in this space for as long as you like, meditating. On the sound of Om.